Welcome, Mavs Nation, the Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks podcast. I am your brand new host, Hove Kassan, and I'm going to be your host for quite some time for this Dallas Mavericks podcast. So uh, first, I want to start off just by introducing myself. Um, So I am a engineer. I work for NASA. I'm also a data scientist. Um, heavily into sports analytics, uh, specifically basketball. Been a basketball fan for the longest time. I am actually a Lakers fan since 1994 um, because I'm born and raised in the LA area. However, uh, lately I've been a big fan of you know the Mavericks, obviously because of Luka Doncic uh, being a huge part of that, as well as a um, a project that I worked on for the sports business classroom in Vegas Summer League uh, this past month in July, uh, where basically we were split up into teams of students, and each team basically had a had a franchise, NBA franchise assigned to them, and we made trades and and transactions and all those sorts of things. And of course, I was assigned to the Dallas Mavericks and. We made one big, very big splash move. I'll, you know, allude to it more as as um, as I host these shows. But basically, we traded for Miles Turner, and we felt very good about our team um, because our goal was to compete now with the Mavericks and basically create this three-year championship window uh, for Luca that would keep him happy. Um, we know he's an MVP candidate. He's actually the MVP favorite right now. And we want to capitalize on that because we don't think last year was a fluke, right? We don't think, uh, that Western conference finals appearance was a fluke. Uh, sure that, you know, game seven whooping that the Mavs put on the Suns is not always going to happen in that exact fashion. Uh, but we still think the pieces that were, around the Mavericks at that point and what we saw from the team, particularly um, in around the February timeframe to close out the season and then going into the playoffs, you know, going up to, uh, you know, the fourth seed in the West, uh, having a vastly improved defense, uh, having Luka absolutely take over once he got into shape, um, you know, dare I say it, addition by subtraction uh, for Kristaps and all of that lays the the groundwork for a team that could win the title um, sometime within these next couple of years. However, we do think there's a lot of work to be done uh, with the Mavs. And that's one reason why we traded for Miles Turner. And um, I'll speak about that more uh, as we go on. But just wanted to, you know, continue introducing myself. Um, you know, I'm scouting video and analytics major at the sports business classroom is, is what I did. So I'm very heavily into, you know, seeing how players fit into a scheme, um, you know, watching the video, talking over videos. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some of that, that stuff on the side for me. Uh, I'm of course going to be focusing very specifically on the Mavs. I have done so, uh, pretty much this, this past month, I've been, uh, mainly focusing on the Mavs, even though my favorite team is the Lakers, but watching a lot of tape on, you know, Christian Wood, um, JaVel McGee, Tim Hardaway Jr., Spencer Dinwiddie, trying to see what this team 
needs going forward, what they're lacking, what we were lacking, um, you know, before uh, that couldn't get us over the Warriors, but then also realizing there are other teams out there that, uh, you know, Mavs are going to have to uh, uh, to compete against this year that may not have been around last year. Uh, for example, the Timberwolves got Rudy Gobert. Um, and to put them first is not necessarily that they're, that they're the biggest threat, but, you know, Jokic is a huge threat now that he, he's going to have presumably um, both of his, you know, top two co-stars uh, back and healthy. Uh, so that team's going to be um, something that at least you have to plan for, uh, something that the Mavs did not have someone who can stop a big man like that. And of course, you know, how well can you actually stop Jokic? But at least have some sort of answer, right? Where Dwight Powell averaging 11 minutes a game in in multiple playoff series is not going to get it done. Um, there's a reason why he was sitting in those series. Uh, now, you know, the, the Mavs didn't really face a post threat like that that would require someone like that, but Dwight Powell is not that answer anyway. Uh, I'm sorry, I know... I know Mavs Nation in general likes Dwight Powell. I like Dwight Powell. Um, he puts it all out there and everything. But in terms of what the Mavs need as a championship starting caliber center, uh, he's not going to be it. And JaVel McGee is going to presumably take over uh, most of that with Christian Wood uh, taking a lot of those minutes as well. Uh, I can't see. I can't see Dwight Powell being relied on in meaningful games, right? Not just playoffs, but, you know, uh, rivalry games and, and those sorts of things. I can't see Dwight Powell having a 20-plus minute per game role, uh, not with Christian Wood and JaVale on this roster, and they're here to stay at least for now. And and yeah, but then you, you have Christian Wood uh, at the center. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to have other episodes where I go into more of the details on each of these players and for example why the Mavs should not expect to play uh, JaVale more than 18 minutes a game uh, why Christian Wood should spend at least a significant chunk of his playing time at the power forward and all that so I'll, I'll do more of a deeper dive into it as uh, as I have those episodes ready when I'm um, you know when I get everything organized and doing it just for this introductory episode I want to point out uh, Christian Wood should be playing power forward a lot, and that will help the Mavericks in a lot of different ways that we didn't have that they didn't have last year, right? Christian Wood's ability to stretch the floor, basically, I want to say uh, top five uh, three-point shooting bigs out there. Uh, like actual bigs, not people who play power forward, right? But they're actually, you know, like a Jay Crowder who's clearly a forward, right? But um, just like, you know, someone who can play center at times, uh, someone like a Carl Anthony Towns who now is playing power forward, but, you know, he's, you know, he plays like a big. So, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of what I'm talking about. But Christian Wood is really up there um, in terms of that. And I'll go more into the stats 
uh, as I get more settled in and everything. But Christian Wood cannot play center against Joel Embiid, against Jokic, maybe even against Gobert, right? Against some of these threats that we're going to need to have answered, um, you don't want Christian Wood to be your center uh, if you can avoid it. Now, if you're playing a lineup that's going to have essentially two point guards in it, right? You have uh, your Spencer Dinwiddie, Luka Doncic lineup, and then you're going to have two wings, right? Two wing defenders like uh, a Bullock and a Finnis Smith or Kleba or, uh, you know, Kleba's kind of a big, but, you know, he, he would be playing power forward in this scenario uh, alongside Christian Wood at center, for example. Uh, any of those sorts of mixing and matching lineups, which for the most part it, you do when you have both Dinwiddie and Luka on the court, you could see Christian Wood playing that role, especially if the team goes in as they are now with their bigs being JaVale, Dwight Powell, Christian Wood, and then Maxi Kleba. Um, you're definitely going to want those lineups sometimes where everyone on the court can shoot when you're down by 16 points and you need to have a comeback, right? Uh, those lineups that we saw against the Warriors, which were too small, but you can go bigger than you did last year, but have just as much shooting as you did last year, right? So those sorts of lineups, Christian Wood is going to play center, but that's not what you're going to want either on a regular basis is, is my opinion. And definitely not when you need to go bigger, uh, so even if you're playing Kleba and Wood together, that's not going to be big enough against many of these teams. And sure, you could say bring in JaVale McGee and that's when Christian Wood could slide to the four, but you're sacrificing that shooting, right? And that is why we made that move for, for Miles Turner. That's what we scouted in, in the video. That's who was available. Um, that same sort of, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. sort of player who gives you what you need in terms of rebounding, post-defense, uh, rim protection, as well as on the offensive side could stretch the floor. Um, that's basically what they're looking for. And, you know, there's essentially one player on the market that uh, that could that could do that. So other I interesting, actually, pretty recent news, too, surrounding Miles Turner. Uh, he's been doing a lot of work in the community in Dallas. Um, we know that he's from Texas. He went to school, University of Texas at Austin. And, you know, he's a Longhorn. And he's been spending a lot of time in Dallas. He actually sat down with uh, Dallas beat reporter um, Bree Amaranthus, Um the previous Bachelor contestant who's now reporting for the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Mavericks. She sat down with him and he was just given a glowing review of Dallas, um, the Mavericks team from, from last year. He was talking about how he was uh, in, in the building during the playoffs, watching the game, electric atmosphere. He loved it. And, you know, uh, praising Luca nonstop, talking about when, he played against him while he was on the Pacers and and all that sort of thing. It's kind of like, hey, guys, save me. Like, bring me to Dallas. And one of the things about Turner that 
will probably have other teams hesitate to trade for him is, is he going to extend with us? Because he's on the last year of his contract. So depending on the asking price for the Pacers, you know, are we paying for a one-year rental? Similar to what the, what the Mavs did with Christian Wood, which I think uh, was a great deal. It didn't end up hurting the Mavs, in my opinion, uh, in terms of that draft pick that they gave up. Uh, they ended up drafting Jaden Hardy, who I think was a steal at his position. Um, I'll speak more about you know scouting Jaden Hardy a little bit later. Um, not to go off on a on that big tangent right now, but Jaden Hardy, regardless of his struggles that we saw in the summer league, which I think is more of a concern in terms of you know his his readiness in the NBA right now at this moment for this this season, counting on him as a backup guard uh, in the rotation. Uh, that's where it hurts, but I think overall for his career, this is a player that you that you know Mavs got at a great value, and so giving up that draft pick um, did not hurt so much for Christian Wood. So even if he does end up being a one-year rental, I think taking that gamble on Christian Wood as well as uh, the guys that we threw in there, you know, we know everyone loves Boban, but I think it's a gamble that's well worth taking regardless of what happens with Christian Wood. Now, barring something like he tears the team up because of something that happens in the locker room, like I don't think that's going to happen, but barring something like that, even if, you know, he goes into the season. We see, okay, his defense is not improving. He's he he. There, there's the guy that Christian Wood can be that that certain people think of as this guy could be an absolute monster in the NBA. He can he can be that All Star caliber level player because of his shooting, his offensive, you know, relentlessness, his passing ability as a big man. Frankly, uh, the way he moves, pick and roll. Um, lob threat and all of that and then defensively the the ability that he has to be a switchable defender the talent that you see is there the athleticism that you see is there to get those blocks to get the that switch ability now he's not a big guy in the post so he'll probably still get eaten up in the post but all of that potential that you see in Christian Wood he may not hit that but the Mavs taking that risk on it is a uh, is a great move and I like it, but I think the Mavs need to come up with another plan. Um, get someone like Miles Turner, extend him. He's someone that would sign in an extension in Dallas. If you could get him at a rate that's similar to other centers, like a Clint Capella, or um, I believe Jonas Valanciunas is in that area too. Right now, Miles Turner is making eighteen million. If you get him in that, you know, twenty million, even twenty-two million range. I think it's great. You look at how much DeAndre Ayton's going for. You look at some of the other, like, if you're not, you know, Rudy Gobert, right? If you're not paying that price for him, he's a steal. I think I think the main thing about him, the main hesitation would be his injury history, which I don't put that much too into. I don't, th- I don't think Miles Turner's injuries are of the sort that, for example, Derrick Rose is. Right, they're not really related to each other, the the injuries themselves, and all of that. So, I think that gamble's uh, worth taking. But regardless, any other similar sort of big player that could play big and play more than a sixteen, eighteen minutes 
then like JaVale would be uh, a fantastic fit for the Mavs. Um, so yeah, um, moving on to that, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, who are some other players that they could go for. One of the things that, you know, comes to people's minds is a replacement for Jalen Brunson, right? And personally, uh, you know, when we went into our project for the Mavs, just talking through that process, our first thought was to replace Jalen Brunson, right? Replace Jalen Brunson, and then we need to get defense, rebounding. We need a big for it, for those sorts of things. And then we could, you know, find someone like a Jakob Podol on the market or a Rishon Holmes on the market to fill that void. But our, our big get was going to be either Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Terry Rozier, maybe try to work some way out like a sign and trade for Colin Sexton that sort of thing, right? And those are going to be our two big gets. A shooting guard, ball handler type of player, maybe six man if if you know it's someone like if it's like a Jordan Clarkson, we could play him behind Spencer Dinwiddie and now he could be our third guard, so it's not directly replacing Jalen Brunson, but you know, giving us that solid three guard rotation that we had um last season, right? But what we thought about is okay there's there's Miles Turner over there he solves that big problem without having to take him off the court because of his three point shooting and his price was uh was good like we're looking at now Miles Turner and Buddy Heald um supposedly the Pacers are are asking for two first round picks for him and to get you know that'll get the Lakers off Westbrook's contract as well and i think that's a fantastic deal i don't know what the Lakers are waiting for the deal that we struck was uh, two first-round picks for for Miles Turner. We gave up uh, Powell and a couple of filler, like we we gave up, uh, not directly giving up Frank Nilikina, but we traded Nilikina for Wenyan Gabriel as a a salary filler. That's non-guaranteed money that could just be waived. But we also got two second-round picks back for it, and um, and we threw in Josh Green in there as well. But I think that price to pay was good. One of those picks was protected. The thing that kind of killed us in in the in the grading on that, we would have made one of the top performers um, of that class. Um, but one of the things that killed us was one of the unprotected picks we gave was twenty seven, which occurs after Luca's contract. So if Luca leaves uh, in free agency, that still wouldn't. Uh, that still wouldn't be a top pick, presumably, right? Unless something goes wrong, Luca got injured in his last season or something like that. But, but of course, we understand that there's a big possibility that if you know, it looks like Luca's not going to get traded in in 27, or you know, or, or not going to resign in 27. Uh, do the Mavs just trade him? Right, just to ensure that they get something from him, which happens a lot, right? And that would potentially cause that pick to become a lottery pick. So that was like a minor consideration there. The other pick was protected, the twenty nine pick, but you know that that one is a lot more likely to be uh, to be a top pick in that in that case. So that was our reasoning behind it. And I'll talk talk more about that at another time. Um, don't want to take that off into another tangent again, but. Getting those guards, um, as we thought about it, it's like, okay, if we get those guards, but then we get a different center, 
that center may not play much of the time, right? And now you have both Travel and that other center, say it's a Rishon Holmes, that you're not going to want to play in a lot of a lot of moments. You're still going to want to play Christian Wood, either like Kleba or maybe you play Finney Smith at the four, and then you're going to play two guards, and then your small forward is going to be either you know Hardaway, Bullock, or if you're playing Kleba at the four, it would be Finney Smith, right? That sort of that sort of lineup that we're going for. Now, we didn't like that as much. Now, there are other ways that you could fill in that Jalen Brunson gap, and people have been getting creative, and who's out there? Let's go for who's out there. Let's go bigger. Let's go for a star next to Luka. Well, who are the stars that are available? Well, Donovan Mitchell, not going to happen. I'll say that right now. Donovan Mitchell's not going to happen. But Kyrie Irving is available. And Russell Westbrook is available. Hmm, Mavs, let's think about that. There's so many Mavs fans that have been thinking about that, right? And the question's been asked, and it's been answered. And the answer is, hell no. That's coming from the Mavs, right? Hell no. And I agree. And Mavs fans, I've seen some Mavs fans. I'm not saying everyone, but, you know, like, seriously, consider it. Like, what would it take? And I'll tell you this right now. As a Lakers fan who has not been a fan of Westbrook for most of his career. Uh, It's not just because of what happened in the Lakers, not even just what happened after OKC, but even during OKC. um, Like, I'm I'm, I'm still in that camp that he's a stat patter. Like, I've been in that camp for a long time. I've seen him yell at his teammates to get out of the way to to get his rebounds and all that, and not just when he has nine rebounds going to hit his triple-double, right? He's doing this all throughout the season. Um, long story short on that, Russell Westbrook, when the Lakers traded for him last off season, I kind of like, I I woke up, I saw the news and I'm like, Hmm, Kuzma. I wasn't as high on Kuzma at that point. Kuzma, Montrez Harrell wasn't high on and KCP, right? KCP, good rotation piece, but you know what? I'm looking at those three players that were offered that's a good deal for a star. Like as much as I have said, like Westbrook is an empty stats kind of guy. If he comes over with LeBron and kind of fits in with LeBron AD and he embraces that like third fiddle role, maybe even second fiddle next to AD and AD takes more of a, a, you know, defensive role that he did in the championship season, right? Maybe AD improves his three point shooting and that way you have the ball flow through LeBron and Westbrook and they dish it to AD more, right? Like I'm, I'm painting the picture here and I'm like, this is such a great deal. Normally I would say, okay, if you're giving up something for him, you know, something super significant, I hate it, right? And, and I was saying like, okay, I like it. And even then, even then was I so terribly wrong on that. And I don't want Mavs fans to have to go through that same thing, right? So it's like you're watching a burning building and and you're saying like, you know, like let's not evacuate the building that's right next door, right? And that sort of thing. So Russell Westbrook would like completely destroy everything this team has. His his defense, his defensive effort. If you noticed, if you if you really watched uh, a lot of the games uh, last year um, that he was playing in, which was basically every game for the Lakers, but. Not just the highlights, right? Not just him like shooting it off the backboard or anything. If you watch his defense, 
they're hiding him just the same way that they're trying to hide uh, Luca or even Steph, right? You don't want your your star point guard who's shouldering all of this load and is, in most cases, not a great point of attack defender, right? Either because of effort or size or, or both or whatever, right? Sure, the Lakers were, were sort of hiding him on that and trying to put Stanley Johnson or, or THT or someone on the point of attack. Well, he can't even guard the three-point shooter that's camping out on the corner. Someone's camping out on the corner. He's just watching the ball. He's standing, like, not only is it far away from the defender, he's trying to, like, get a steal in the lane or something, but he's watching the ball all the way across to the other side, to the other wing, to the other corner, or the ball coming all the way down from uh, from the other backcourt. And his guy just, like, scoots up to the wing. He doesn't even notice it, gets an open shot. How many times did that happen? And then, oh, if there's a screen, forget about it. Like, he's not navigating through that screen at all, right? And same thing happens. Someone can, you know, someone's on the wing. They cut to the to the baseline. He He's, he's so slow at reacting on it, and it's because of his effort. It's because of where his mind is at. His mind is at the ball. That's not what you're supposed to do. At this, at that moment, when you're an off-ball defender, when you're covering a shooter, right? When you're covering the shooting guard, the small forward. Now, if you're guarding the point guard and you're taking that on, you know, he will probably do a better job in terms of effort and mental readiness. But um, that's not where you want him to be either, right? You want your Dorian Finney-Smith there. You want Reggie Bullock there. You want even Tim Hardaway Jr. I would take over him. And then you and then you look at what are some of the packages that people were saying would be a good price for him. Well, everyone likes to throw Bertans everywhere, which I understand his contract is bad, but his contract is not Westbrook bad, right? What Bertans gives you as a backup small forward is is good enough as a shooter that you can live with him on your team. You you could build their avenues and We'll keep bringing this up in the podcast. There are avenues that you could build around Berton's contract and still have a decent team around Luka. And he could be, you know, your ninth rotation player, 10th rotation player. He only comes in when you really need that many, you know, three-point shooters and you're going through your lineup or there's injuries and all of that. It's fine. You can throw him in contracts. That's fine. That's the one I'm most okay with. The other name that was in there is um, Dwight Powell, right? And and I'm all for that if you're replacing Powell, right? So I want Powell to be the backup to, to JaVale. And he's going to have to play heavy minutes, depending on how many minutes Christian Wood plays at the five. You still want some sort of, you know, backup behind JaVale McGee, right? So if you're getting rid of Powell, if you're replacing him with someone else, like, not a Tristan Thompson off free agency, right? You're going to replace him with with someone similar to Powell's level at least. Then, yeah, trade Powell. He's on an expiring contract. That's 11 mil that you can throw in with, you know, to make the money work on a trade. And he's not going to play that much, especially if he gets replaced. He's not going to play at all, right? But don't just give away Powell and you have no other backup plan for it. And your only centers are JaVel McGee and Christian Wood who, like I mentioned, Christian Wood should not be um, counted on as a center except for in small ball lineups, right? 
Now, the third name, and I get this name thrown in way too much, and I don't know where it comes from after a season that was not a full season, as we all know, but, you know, I, I don't know. Did he play that bad last season that Tim Hardaway Jr. is getting thrown in all to, to all these trades? The guy's making less than $20 million a year. Um, he's a good enough ball on-ball uh, player. He's a great spot-up three-point shooter. Exactly what you need from Luka. And everyone seems to be, like, thinking he's a negative on defense, which I definitely don't think so. I think he's the type of player that, uh, with the defense that the Mavs had around them last year, he's going to be a good enough defender. He's not a defender like a Westbrook who's going to just put a massive hole in your defense and you're going to have to scramble to plug that hole, right? If you have a solid rim protector um, back there and you have solid defenders around, which we know the Mavs do, um, with Kleba and Dorian Finney-Smith and a bunch of different lineups that you can put together, Tim Hardaway Jr., is a good enough defender for sure. And then you say, okay, now he buys in even more and all of that. He gets back into it. That's the type of player that you need on this team. Now, very, very open to trading him, but don't just throw his name in there and definitely not for Westbrook. I would rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. than Westbrook right now. Period. Not giving away any other players. So, that's just what I want to talk about right now. 